Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. You don't put those inside of you, do you? This is a show about women. I mean, you do? Yeah. Finally, a show about women that isn't just a thinly-veiled aspirational nightmare. It's not hosted, not narrated, we're just dropping into a woman's world. I found out when my dad was gay when I was 10. We were in a convertible on the 405 freeway, listening to the B-52s. Looking back, I should have said, this is gay. This is already all gay. (laughs) Listen to Finally a Show on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Beauty Translated Season 3 is coming soon with, what? A second host? I'm Carmen Laurent, and this season I am joined full-time by world-renowned Janie Danger. Janie, what are we talking about in Season 3? We're talking about life, Carmen. Beauty Translated is about the many fragmented lives spreading across this rich tapestry of the trans experience. And the all-new Beauty Translated Love Line at 678-561-2785. Listen to Beauty Translated Season 3 on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Bye. Bye. Now here's a highlight from Coast to Coast AM on iHeartRadio. And welcome back to Coast to Coast. George Norrie with you. We're going live to the United Kingdom. Graham Phillips back with us, who was just with me several months ago as we talked about his latest work called Strange Fate, an extraordinary true story of paranormal discovery. Well, he's got a new one out called The Mystery of Doggerland, Atlantis in the North Sea. He's one of Britain's best-selling nonfiction authors for 40-plus years, has published at least 18 books worldwide. These include investigations into the death of Alexander the Great, The Secret Life of William Shakespeare, The Mystery of King Arthur. His books also cover his search for historical relics such as the Holy Grail, the Ark of the Covenant, the Staff of Moses. Graham has been described as a historical detective, a modern-day adventurer, and a real-life Indiana Jones. Graham, I always love having you on the program. Welcome back. Oh, thanks, George. Great to be back on again. You think the Ark of the Covenant's in Ethiopia in that church, like everybody says? Well, the the real weird thing about the Ark of the Covenant, there seems to have been two of them. There's one that's mentioned being made at Mount Sinai um, when Moses goes up the mountain and gets the Ten Commandments. That's eventually um, put into the Jerusalem Temple, which is is specifically built to contain it. That's around about 1000 B.C. Um, And then when Solomon, who has the temple built, dies... His two sons end up arguing with each other. The, the kingdom breaks in two, and supposedly, according to the Ethiopian tradition, a, one of the sons of Solomon had a, um, an, a, a replica ark made, put into the temple in order to fool the, the, the temple guardians that it was still there, and took the original one to Ethiopia. So there seems to be two arks, 
One seems to have ended up in Ethiopia. One then ends up uh, in the area around Petra, which is in Jordan, uh, in the Sinai wilderness. And um, both of them have vanished. <laughs> it's truly amazing. Now, your new book is called The Mystery of Doggerland. First of all, what is Doggerland? Well, it's the name of an area of dry land that once connected what's now the British Isles to continental Europe, France, Germany, and Scandinavia. Um, You probably know that uh, during the Ice Age, when sea levels were lower, um, there was a land bridge between America and, um, and what's now Russia. And this is where many people kind of crossed over that land bridge and began to colonize America. I mean, this is, you know, many thousands of years ago. Well, nothing quite so spectacular, but a smaller version of that joined the British Isles to continental Europe. And it remained above sea level as the the temperature gradually warmed after the end of the Ice Age. And there were still people living there um, who most archaeologists assume were just... uh, uh, hunter-gatherers, right the way through from around about 10,000 B.C. They were still there then. And then by about 7,000 B.C., the water levels had risen and um, the people who had lived there either drowned or managed to migrate somewhere else. But what's fascinating is is it's just been realized that because of the pressure of the ice that used to be over all of Britain, except for the very south, particularly over the north, the, the, the land was pushed downwards, and then as the ice melted, it gradually over thousands of years um, began to rise again, which meant that until around as recently as 5,000 years ago, part of this area of land that joined uh, Britain to the continent called Doggerland, um, a small island, um, perhaps about the size of... Um, the state of, well, it's not quite large, actually, probably about the size of the state of um, uh, Rhode Island, Mm -hmm. still existed off the northeast coast of Scotland. That's what Doggerland is. Now, the North Sea, for a lot of people, I'll talk about the boundaries, lies between Great Britain, Denmark, Norway, Germany, the Netherlands, Belgium, and France. It's 600 miles long. It's 360 miles wide. It's pretty good size, isn't it, Graham? Yes, it is. But the, the, it's very difficult to know what people were actually doing there um, 10,000 years ago because that is quite now quite deep down below the, the, the surface of the, of the sea. But the area that didn't sink until about 5,000 uh, B.C., now that archaeologists have suddenly been able to map the, the, the floor of the sea with radar and sonar and other sophisticated instruments to find, astonishingly, that there are stone circles down there, like similar to Stonehenge, but at the bottom of the sea and very much older than Stonehenge. And it's beginning to look as though the people who eventually built Stonehenge around 3000 BC originally, they may have come from this island that sank. Interesting. How advanced might that civilization have been, Graham? 
Well, there's one tiny part of that civilization that's, um, that island that still survives above sea level, and that's a tiny little island called Fair Isle in the North Sea. And um, what's been discovered there by archaeologists is quite incredible. Firstly, they, everybody thinks that the pe- people in Finland invented the sauna around about 1000 BC. They found what must have been functioning saunas you know, sauna baths that are 7,000 years old on this island. That's pretty amazing to start off with. Secondly, they were able to build seawall defences where they put lots and lots of rocks in a great big pile in a great big um, long embankment. And then somehow, nobody quite knows how, they managed to get heat going on those stones, maybe by burning something around them when nobody knows quite what to vitrify the stones and other words make them into a solid wall melt stone and really you need incredibly high temperatures to do that these people were able to do that and the evidence is there amazing truly amazing why do you think the island of the continent of atlantis Duggarland, disappeared what happened well it's basically what I explain in the book is that um, the publishers decided to call it Atlantis and the North Sea, not specifically because that was what Plato in Greek times referred to as Atlantis, mm-hmm. but because it is one of many places throughout the world that sank beneath the waves at the end of the Ice Age. Now, most people f- used to think that civilization began about uh, 5,000 years ago with in the Middle East with the Sumerians and the ancient Egyptians and so on. Um, and before that, people were just living in tiny villages. There was nothing like civilization. But it is now known throughout the world, um, for after many years of archaeology, that there were proto-civilizations that had uh, cities that, um, with, with a, 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 as many as a thousand people living in them that were built of mud bricks or even stone. I mean, this had been the discovery of places like Gebekli Tepe mm-hmm. in Turkey, which is like 12,000 years old, it seems now. And it seems that a, lo- the, a lot of the places that began as proto-civilizations, perhaps right shortly after the end of the Ice Age, say 12,000 years ago, were all along the coast, and the rising sea levels, was um, they were sunk beneath the waves. So I looked throughout the world and found there was many different places where there were traditions of and archaeological discoveries of ancient civilizations similar to Plato's descriptions of Atlantis. So there may have been many, many Atlantis all over the world. Yeah, South America, North America, Europe, China, India, you name it. They've all got their legends of the same kind of thing. What happened to the inhabitants of most of these places? Were they able to get away? Well, in some places, the the sea levels rose gradually over a period of many hundreds of years. They they migrated, uh, like hopefully, if I'm right, the people who built Stonehenge had come from Dogoland. They had time to migrate. But in other places, when entire ice shelves collapsed into the sea um, and broke off huge parts of, of, of certain areas like uh, parts of Norway and parts of Newfoundland, 
Um, this sent huge, great uh, tsunamis across whole oceans and drowned people overnight. This is certainly what Atlantis that Plato describes, which is at the, uh, at the mouth of the Mediterranean. That seems to be what happened there. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I don't understand what the big fat ones are. You don't put those inside of you, do you? I mean, you do? Yes. This is a show about women. Okay, so I just reapply my lip gloss after eating a delicious lunch. We are headed back now to European political systems class at Baruch College. Woo! Finally, a show about women that isn't just a thinly veiled aspirational nightmare. That's it. That's actually the name of the show. It's not hosted, not narrated. We're just dropping into a woman's world. It's like reality TV on the radio. I found out when my dad was gay when I was 10. We were in a convertible on the 405 freeway, listening to the B-52s. And looking back, I should have said, this is gay. This is already all gay. <laughs> Listen to Finally a Show on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Good song. The Johnny Carson theme, right? Hey, who wrote that? Skip, who do you think? It's your buddy. Hi, everyone. I'm Paul Anka. And I'm Skip Bronson. And what happens when two old friends take their decades of experience in the business and entertainment worlds and sit down with our buddies? You get Our Way, a brand new show from My Heart Podcast, where we chop it up with our pals about everything under the sun. Hear about Michael Bublé's entrance into show business. And get business insight from Mark Burnett. Find out what scares my son-in-law, Jason Bateman. And discover the bragging rights that come with beating Michael Jordan at golf. Together, we know just about everything. Everybody, including sitting presidents. So join us as we ask the questions they've not been asked before, tell it like it is, and even sing a song or two. This is our podcast, and we're going to do it our way. Listen to Our Way on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Tell us about some of the discoveries made by divers on the seabed uh, off uh, the north coast of Britain. Yeah, well, this is fascinating because a lot of this is still under wraps. Um, you know, they're not publishing a lot of what they've found at the moment because they don't want people diving out there and treasure hunting and wrecking the archaeology. But um, on mainland uh, Orkney Isles, which is at the top n- north of Scotland, there's a big stone circle um about uh, a good few hundred feet across it's uh, it's made of, of was originally made of about a hundred stones around it it's a ditch and embankment and many other monuments around it which has been dated as around about uh, four and a half to five thousand years old well they found an identical one of these on the bottom of the sea about two or three miles out from the coast 
And that has been dated basically by the map that the sea level has risen since that time as being at least 2,000 years older than what was thought to be the oldest stone circle in the British Isles on the Orkney Isles. That is truly remarkable. But uh, why do they keep it under wraps? Well, I don't want people... They, it got a lot of publicity when they first discovered this a few years back. And they had people died going out there, diving down, thinking they were going to find treasures. But the, kind, the people that built these stone circles and uh, were, 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 um, you know, at the time of Stonehenge and maybe before that weren't sort of making gold items or silver. They, they weren't creating things that would be treasure that you could sell to anyone. But this didn't stop people thinking there might be all sorts of things down there. So it's to stop people from destroying the, the, what they found before they can fully analyze it. How did you uncover this story, Graham? Well, I was actually at the time, I, was, um, I had a friend who was working on, um, on the original, um, the, the boats that were going out. Originally, when they were scanning the, the seabed, they weren't looking for, um, these were scientists, not archaeologists, they weren't looking for some ancient civilization. They were simply looking for uh, buried obstacles in case there might be problems with laying um, uh, pipelines and various things out to ga um, gas and oil rigs in the North Sea. It was a completely, it wasn't archaeological at all. But then they found the, this, at least three separate stone circles, the one of the ones I've mentioned. And I knew somebody who was actually working with those scientists who said, this could be interesting to you. So that's how I got to know about it to start off with. Now, what about the possibilities that uh, the great flood of Noah might have been the catalyst for the sinking of these continents or islands? Well, it's certainly another one of these um, perhaps sunken early civilizations. Um, what is now known is that sometime around, I mean, the dating is, is, is difficult, but it could be about 8,000 years ago. Wow. What is now, or a little bit earlier, the, what is now the Black Sea was, in fact, a um, low-lying area. And there was this um, barrier of land separating the Mediterranean, the eastern end of the Mediterranean, from the Black Sea. Um, and then, literally, as the gradual ice melting after the Ice Age and the Mediterranean kind of like became, the, the water levels grew higher, eventually it broke through this barrier that divided this low land to the, wet, to the, to the east. And suddenly there was a waterfall, and, uh, and uh, archaeologists and, his, and uh, scientists have described this waterfall as being something like a hundred times the size of the Niagara Falls pouring over this Jeez. great embankment and filling the Black Sea and flooding anyone who lived there. That could be the Noah's Flood. And Graham, are you convinced that the Atlantis that Plato talked about is different from the Doggerland that we're talking about tonight in your new work? Yes. Um, the Atlantis that uh, Plato refers to, he says quite specifically, is at the mouth, or at the, um, the what they call the Pillars of Hercules, which is the Strait of Gibraltar, which joins the Atlantic to the Mediterranean. And I've, I've actually been doing research into a place 
that completely matches what he described as being there and would have been sunk by an almighty tidal wave. Naya, four years ago you wrote a book called Wisdom Keepers of Stonehenge. Is it possible that the creators of Stonehenge might have been these people who were on these islands that disappeared? Yeah, well, certainly the one of, of Doggerland. That's the one I've done the most research into. I mean, there's, I mean, it's, it's a lot of work to look into Chinese myths and legends about uh, whole cities being flooded, and then looking into the same in India, and 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 but the Mayans describe the same kind of thing. Um, and again, it makes perfect sense. Early civilization started as um, as the Ice Age finished. Um, throughout the world, but they didn't get going before they started to get flooded um, by rising sea levels. And the, the, the certainly the, the one I concentrated on most was Doggerland, and the archaeology, absolutely, as far as I'm concerned, um, proves that the people who built the stone circles and the um, the large megalithic monuments in Britain, which include Stonehenge, and there was a lot of other uh, monuments similar to that, um, they definitely came from Doggerland, from this island that existed off the coast of Britain until about 5000 BC, because the stone circles that they built were exactly the same as those that have been found under the water. Could these events that happened so many years ago happen again today? Well, it's very controversial. I mean, when, when I, say, well, I, I say in my book about, um, you know, global warming, we're all experiencing it now. I mean, it's very controversial subject uh, about whether or not um, there is such a thing as global warming. Some people swear it's real. Some people swear it isn't. But what I do know for certain, and all scientists or anybody who investigated history does know that there was an ice age. And that ice age finished because somehow the Earth heated up. Precisely why it heated up is a complete mystery. Some people think it's because the Earth slightly changed its orbit around the sun. Others believe it had something to do with increased volcanic activity. There are many explanations about why the ice age may have occurred, but it did occur. It occurred and basically kept most of humanity in the tropical areas of, of the world. And after it finished, lots of people migrated north and started, and, and, and south, and the, uh, migrated away from the, uh, from the tropics and um, began to start the first civilizations. And those civilizations hadn't really got going before there was further warming. Again, nobody knows quite why. Remaining ice is a lot further melted, and these civilizations ceased. If you believe in global warming, yes, it probably could happen again. If you don't, who knows? Listen to more Coast to Coast AM every weeknight at 1 a.m. Eastern, and go to coasttocoastam.com for more. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. 
You don't put those inside of you, do you? This is a show about women. I mean, you do? Finally, a show about women that isn't just a thinly-veiled aspirational nightmare. It's not hosted, not narrated. We're just dropping into a woman's world. I found out when my dad was gay when I was 10. We were in a convertible on the 405 freeway, listening to the B-52s. Looking back, I should have said, this is gay. This is already all gay. <laughs> Listen to Finally a Show on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Beauty Translated Season 3 is coming soon with what? A second host? I'm Carmen Laurent, and this season I am joined full-time by world-renowned Janie Danger. Janie, what are we talking about in season three? We're talking about life, Carmen. Beauty Translated is about the many fragmented lives spreading across this rich tapestry of the trans experience. And the all-new Beauty Translated love line at 678-561-2785. Listen to Beauty Translated Season 3 on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Bye. Bye. 